This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons. So please join me in thanking new patrons, Josh Alvarado, Rose Lewis, Jess Bauza de Garcia, Juliet Page, Ellie Van de Vegt, Justin, Rain Clark, Logan Pritchett, Angeli, Lotus Matter, TX Buddha 63, Robert Miller, Stephanie Rader, Danielle Lady Nikon Davis, Jose Angel Vargas, I See You, Direct Funding Specialist 2, Brick Goodson, Ryan Vandeput, Faze Farik, Jacqueline Power, Chad Peterson, Delaney Rose, Brody McDougall, Tammy Davis, Elizabeth Kirkman, Jameson Akai, Shane Abney, Herd of Turtles, Kit, Kara Wright, Amanda Carpenter, Curtis Booker, Wendy, David Ponce, Kristen L., Dusk Fang, Tyler Martin, Savon McKill, Derek Bradley, Kelly Smith, Jameer Johnson, Miranda Michael, Karen McGrogan Gallo, Mason Cole, Zombie Emily, Katana Hoke, Dorian Wisniewski, Advanced Writer, Rabbits Watching, Rob Weeks, Muhammad Jama, Dan L.S., Joe R., Jillian Amick, Jimmy A. Foster Jr., Troy, Carl Hansen, Michelle Dorsey, and Jillian Tolbert. I am so proud and overwhelmed to say with these names we passed a thousand patrons of the Creepy Podcast. Not only is this an amazing milestone, it also means I'll be posting a video this week of a drawing for a special prize. I do this every hundred patrons now, so if things keep up like they have this month, I may still have another to do. Thank you all so, so much. When I started this podcast, I just wanted there to be a podcast with some of my favorite creepypastas, and I never imagined what it could become. Remember, this month's promotion is for new patrons at the $5 level or existing patrons that increase their donation to $5 or above. For that $5, you get immediate access to almost 300 bonus episodes, over 50 hours of bonus content in total, 
as well as the early commercial free access, the shout out, and again, for June 2019 only, the limited edition Creepy Podcast logo lapel pen. Pins will be ordered at the end of the month once we have the totals and mailed as soon as possible. To see how you can support this podcast and get rewards like early access, 50 hours of bonus episodes, limited edition lapel pin, t-shirts, hoodies, and more, please visit patreon.com slash creepypod. The link's also in the show notes. Now. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents. I went to a fairy's yard sale, and now I'm concerned about my well-being. Narrated by Heather Thomas, Molly Lankford, Cynthia Reinhardt, and Danielle Hewitt. All of this started because I'm a cheap piece of shit who refuses to spend more than $15 on a single item. Words for the wise, don't be like me. You will end up discovering many weird things. But I'm a sucker for a good deal, especially if it looks a bit vintage. And so thrifting and yard sales have become my favorite forms of shopping. I am not alone in this. My best friend Rosa always accompanies me which works out, considering she has an excellent eye when it comes to finding deals. So, when she called me and asked if I wanted to accompany her to a yard sale her neighbor was having, I jumped at the chance. When I arrived at Rosa's house, she was already on her front porch waiting for me, a huge wad of cash sticking out of her front pocket. I shot her a look as I rolled down my window. That's the stupidest form of a wallet I've ever seen. I reprimanded her, with a hand on my forehead. The brunette rolled her eyes at me as she approached my car. We don't need wallets for yard sales. Everyone there is old and too slow to remember where they even put their own cash. Nobody's going to be focused on where I keep mine. She insisted as she climbed into the passenger seat of my small vehicle. Rosa is very headstrong, so I had no desire to argue with her on the matter and instead changed the subject. So, which neighbor is having a yard sale? I questioned, looking around. You see, Rosa's family is very well off. Her mother is a doctor, and her father owns his own very successful company. So, their neighborhood is quite nice, which makes it a great place for yard sales. The crazy old woman down the block. You know, the one who's like an anti-cat lady? Rosa remarks lifting her feet to rest them on my dashboard, which luckily for her, I ignore. However, I don't know which neighbor the girl is referring to. Mrs. Donahue? I question, turning right toward the woman's house and hoping Rosa says yes so that I didn't go the wrong way. See, Rosa and I used to run into Mrs. Donahue's yard when we were little and play in her extravagant garden, much to her dismay. 
The old woman would always come out and tell us not to ruin her plants, because they were something she held dear to her heart. We rarely listened to her. And then one time when we had decided to break into the garden yet again, Rosa decided to bring her cat Whiskers. Rosa loved Whiskers, and said that the kitty deserved to see the garden too. But Mrs. Donahue definitely didn't think so. Upon realizing that we had not only disrespected her wishes and broken into the garden again, but had brought a friend this time, Mrs. Donahue rushed out to scold us. The cat instantly began hissing at the woman and trying to jump out of Rosa's grasp. Mrs. Donahue only glared at the cat and told us to leave at once. So we did. And I don't think we'd ever come back after that. Sure, we'd always still stare at the woman's yard because it was beautiful and deserved to be admired. But we never crept in there again. I don't think Rosa's even spoke to the woman since then. And I don't blame her. I had never disliked Mrs. Donahue. She seemed nice enough. But I did get the feeling that something was a little off with the woman. Yes, Donahue. I knew it was something like that. Rosa exclaimed with the wave of her hand, as if the woman's name wasn't that relevant to her. Just then, we began approaching the house. It was still extremely nice, just how I had remembered it, with flowers and fruits growing from every open space in the yard. The garden was closed off with a large stone gate that had definitely never been there before. I couldn't suppress my chuckle. I wonder if they installed that because of us, I questioned aloud, causing Rosa's eyes to wander to the gate. She snorted. Oh, I'm sure. We had an obsession with that garden, especially the roses, she said with a wink as we got out of the car. Upon closer inspection, everything mostly looked the same in Mrs. Donahue's yard, besides the gate, of course. And also there was no Mrs. Donahue, which I instantly found kind of peculiar. It was her yard sale, after all. Who's running this thing if Mrs. Donahue isn't out here? I whispered to my best friend as we came closer and closer to the objects in the yard. Rosa shrugged. Who knows? And more importantly, who cares? Ah, typical Rosa. Eyes on the prize. Shopping. And so we began looking around at all of Mrs. Donahue's old treasured items that, for whatever reason, she no longer wanted. There were a few pieces of clothing, but Rosa had no interest in them, deeming them old lady clothes. That could only be from the early 19th century. Then we looked at jewelry. There was one necklace Rosa really liked. It seemed to have a figure of a butterfly on it with sparkling accents that shined beautifully when it caught the light. Rosa admired the piece, but said that it was overpriced, and she'd only spend that much money on yard sale jewelry if it was real gold. So then we moved on to the household items for sale, and I think Rosa and I both ended up falling in love. Rosa saw a small, rose-gold compact mirror, and she said when she looked at herself in it, she felt more beautiful than she had when she looked in any other mirror. Or even when she looked at her reflection through her phone camera. I didn't see the allure of the object in the same way that she did. 
but I got the basis of what she meant. She was drawn to it, and it definitely seemed like the type of object Rosa would be drawn to. Me, on the other hand? Well, I was still drawn to something, but the object was much more me than Rosa's compact mirror. It was an old book, with the pages jagged and rusty, with the beautiful smell of a traditional piece of writing. It was titled, Old Folklore Stories, and no author was listed. I decided right away that, even though folklore had never once interested me extensively before, I needed to purchase that book. And so, Rosa and I contently marched up to the long line to pay at the yard sale. I couldn't help but wonder who was running this whole thing, if not Mrs. Donahue herself, and so I peeked my head around the four people in front of us to see who was taking people's money. To my surprise, it was a girl that looked to be around the same age as Rosa and I. She had long strawberry blonde hair that was pulled away from her face, highlighting her freckles and green eyes. Her smile was illuminating and left me with a sense of comfort when she told the customer to have a wonderful day and to return when they had a yard sale again in the future. There was a tray of small cupcakes laid on the table where she kept the box of cash with a sign that read, Take one if you please. How cute. I wonder who that is, I said, nodding my head towards the girl as she took the next person's money and sparked up small talk with them. Rosa turned her head to examine the girl I was referring to before simply shrugging. Probably the old bat's granddaughter or something. Who cares? And with that, she went back to admiring her own reflection. But as soon as Rosa's head turned back to her mirror, the other girl's head snapped up to look at where we were standing in line. There was something in her eyes I couldn't quite identify. Like maybe a touch of anger? Had she heard what Rosa said? Quickly, I turned away from the girl, fearful that if I held her gaze for too long, I'd fall under some sort of spell. Rosa and I barely spoke again until it was our turn to pay for our items. Hello, the girl said in a rather chipper voice, instantly looking the both of us up and down. What can I do for you all today? She asked. Rosa said nothing as she put the mirror down on the table. It says it's only seven dollars. That's right, isn't it? My friend asked, hoping the price tag was correct because now she was far too attached to it to not get it. The mystery girl smiled softly. If that's what the tag says, then that's the price. Rosa only nodded as she dug into her pocket to pull out the money. I took this time to put my curiosity to rest. Are you Mrs. Donahue's granddaughter? I asked, trying to make my own normally monotone voice sound sweet and happy like hers. The girl's expression seemed to falter for just a moment, changing from excited to annoyed, but it instantly changed back. She nodded. Yes, I am, she said simply, careful not to give out too much information. Me being persistent and too questioning for my own good, decided to keep pushing her. In a way, I wondered about the girl. But I also felt like I should be cautious when it came to her. 
like she had much more power than I was capable of knowing about. It's nice to meet you. I'm... I was about to introduce myself to her before stopping short. I probably shouldn't let her know my name if she hasn't offered hers to me yet. I'm not really a native to this neighborhood. I just visit Rosa sometimes, but we used to play in Mrs. Donahue's yard as kids. I explained to her with a polite smile as Rosa handed her seven crumpled up ones. Where is Mrs. Donahue? I questioned, eyes scanning the yard as if I had only just noticed her absence. Sick, the girl said simply. I let my mouth fall open for a moment, before noticing and immediately closing it. Oh, I'm so sorry, I replied. The peculiar girl said nothing as she placed the ones in the box full of money, watching Rosa carefully as she stuffed the compact mirror into her back pocket. Be careful not to break that, the girl warned her. It brings seven years of bad luck. Her tone was completely serious. But Rosa only laughed. (laughs) Save the superstitions. I don't believe in all that. The girl only raised an eyebrow at her, before completely turning away from Rosa, and instead facing me. And for you? She asked, seeming a bit warmer towards me than Rosa. I smiled weakly at her as I offered up the book, already knowing that the price was $11. That's cheap for a book, especially one as intriguing as this one. The girl gave me a huge grin upon seeing my purchase. Oh my goodness. What a great pick. You're going to love it. She had said to me. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. I scrambled to grab my wallet out of my purse, unsure how to respond to the girl. Oh, don't worry about it. This was one of my favorite things to read when I'd visit my grandma as a little girl. It's free. This time when she smiled at me, I swear her teeth seemed sharper than they had before. More intimidating. It felt rude to decline her offer, but 
it almost felt more wrong to accept it at all. So I shook my head. Oh, that's okay. I insist, really. $11 for a book like this is a great deal anyways. The girl looked surprised at my comment, raising an eyebrow at me. Even Rosa looked at me like I was crazy, but I ignored her. Hmm. Okay, suit yourself. She said as I handed her the $11, putting it into the box. I go by Felicity, by the way. She had said to us, shocking me. Oh, I exclaimed, happy to finally know her name. But I still felt wary to give her mine. She already knew Rosa's, and that was good enough. Well, it's been such a pleasure to meet you. Please tell your grandma we say hi. Right, Rosa? I asked, looking over at the girl who seemed glued to her mirror. I nudged her with my elbow, causing her to jump. Huh? Oh yes, for sure, she said rather absent-mindedly. The girl then looked up from the mirror, looking at Felicity. Actually, would you mind if we use your bathroom? I have to pee super bad, and I'd really appreciate it. Felicity looked taken aback at Rosa's question, and for a moment she only stared at us with her mouth open. But eventually she closed her mouth and gritted her teeth. Well, I would mind, in fact. However, if you all say you know my grandmother, I'm sure she wouldn't. Just go straight there and come straight back, she instructed, staring Rosa down for a moment. It was very clear she didn't trust the girl. I didn't blame Felicity. Rosa could be a bit hard to believe at times. Rosa said nothing as she led me away from the table with the fancily decorated cupcakes and the beautiful girl with a smart tongue. Do you even know where the bathroom is? We've never been in here before, I said in a low tone to my friend, who walked into the front door of the house, as if she owned the place. Rosa shrugged. It can't be that hard to find. It's just a bathroom, she said casually, looking into the very first door she saw to be met with the living room. Nope, she said casually as she checked the next door, the kitchen. Felicity said to go straight to the bathroom, then leave. I reminded her. Rosa rolled her eyes at me. I'm trying, she snapped, pushing open a third door. Luckily for us, it was the bathroom. Rosa pulled me in there with her as she locked the door. But to my surprise, she made no move to pee. Instead, she looked at herself in the mirror for a moment. Hmm. Nope. It's not the same as the compact mirror, she declared, turning away from it. Rosa pulled the compact mirror out of her pocket and handed it to me. I figured she did this so that she could finally pee, and then we could get out of here. But she still made no move towards the toilet. Instead, she reached into her pocket again. This time, what she pulled out almost made me drop the mirror. Luckily, I didn't but my other hand came up to cover my mouth to muffle my gasp. Rosa stood there, wearing a cocky smirk, as she held up the beautiful butterfly necklace we had first examined at the yard sale. The one she had decided against getting, considering it was a bit pricey. But now, suddenly she had it. It was clear the girl had already claimed it as hers despite not paying for it. She was stealing it. Rosa, 
I began, shoving the compact mirror back into her hands. What the hell are you doing? Rosa rolled her eyes at me. Calm down, she instructed. If they hadn't made the price so ridiculously high, I wouldn't have to steal it at all. She flipped her hair over her shoulder, as if this was a perfectly valid reason to steal from her sick neighbor. Rosa, I hissed at her, grabbing her hand. Felicity said Mrs. Donahue is sick. Come on, let's go so you can put it back and we can get out of here. No. Rosa instantly pulled her hand away from mine. I'm not putting this back. Why are you being so anal about this anyway? If this was a thrift store, you'd roll your eyes, call me a miscreant, and that would be that. There'd be none of this trying to get me put it back bullshit. Rosa ranted as she shoved the necklace back into her pocket, along with her mirror. And I couldn't argue with her there. Because she was right. I was long since used to Rosa's craziness by now. She was going to do what she wanted, when she wanted to. Simply because she could. She grew up with many things being handed to her. So if she wanted something, she was going to get it. Regardless of whether it was an overpriced yard sale item or not. I had never once complained about this quality of hers before. Sure, I'd tease her about it, but never had I really complained about it. Until now. I stopped for just a moment to ask myself why. I had never really liked Mrs. Donahue all that much. I mean, sure, I felt bad for the woman. But pity was the feeling I probably harbored most for her. And as for Felicity? I barely knew her, and she had already given me a slightly alarming feeling when we conversed. So, why did I start caring about Rosa's bad habits now? I had no answer. I didn't know why this surge of angriness about her thievery suddenly was sprung upon me. So I dropped it. I didn't want to argue with my best friend. Whatever. Let's just go, I said, and we exited the bathroom with extreme tension in the air. Once we exited the house, I made sure to close the door securely behind me. As if the next time Felicity entered the house, it would suddenly become clear to her that my best friend stole from her. I shook my head at my antics. How paranoid could I get? Once we were thrown back into the real world of fancy yard sales and expensive neighborhoods, I found it a bit weird that the crowd at the yard sale had died down so quickly. Now there was only one person in line, and maybe two more total looking around. It seemed as if there were at least ten people out here before. Weird. As we began the quiet and awkward descent back to my car, Felicity waved us over. Hey, wait! She shouted at us. My eyes widened as I glanced over at Rosa, silently questioning her on what the hell we should do. She paid no mind to me, only plastered a bright fake smile onto her face and approached Felicity slowly. Once we came face to face with her, I braced myself. Felicity didn't seem like the type to deal well with people stealing things from her beloved, sick grandmother. You've known her for ten minutes, I reminded myself. Stop freaking out. 
and sure enough, I was just getting ahead of myself, because Felicity flashed her sharp teeth at us once again. You all never tried the free cupcakes I made. Come on, they're super good. You'll want to try more than one. I promise, she said, picking up the plate and holding them out to us. Rosa seemed to ponder this for a moment. She was a health nut. Me, on the other hand, I seldom cared what I ate. And yet, I felt weirdly compelled to stay away from the cupcakes. I shook my head. No, thank you. I had a big breakfast this morning, I said. It wasn't even a lie. I treated myself to, like, two and a half Starbucks sandwiches. Rosa seemed to decide that, despite her insane diet, today was a good day to cheat. She reached over and took two. I'll have one for both of us, she said with a smirk. Felicity laughed at her statement. (laughs) I like the way you think. And with that, we left the Donahue property with differing emotions. Rosa probably felt accomplished and proud, having received all she wanted and more today. I felt defeated, in a way, for not being able to get her to return the necklace. I also felt more curious about Mrs. Donahue and her family than I ever had before. And that's why, after I dropped Rosa back off and returned safely to my own home, I read the entirety of the book I purchased from the yard sale in a little over an hour. I just knew there was something more to Mrs. Donahue and Felicity that I wasn't able to place my finger on. But upon reading further and further into the book, things slowly began to clear up. The book was supposed to just be old folklore, but the way things were discussed in the book made them seem so real. It seemed more like a history book than a book full of fairy tales. It discussed fae and fairies, and basic information about them. Information such as their love of gardening, or such as their wariness to give their real names out, or describing that when fae offer humans things for free, such as cupcakes or an old book, it is usually because they are going to ask for something in return at a later point. Fae never forget. And apparently they always know when you are lying, and cannot lie themselves. However, that does not mean they are always honest. I thought about the way Felicity worded many of the things she told us. I go by Felicity, by the way. Well, I would mind. Her words ran through my mind on repeat. Was I losing my mind? I exhaled deeply shutting the book and deciding I had done way too much reading for the night. I was taking everything way too seriously. The things Felicity did seemed perfectly normal to everyone else there, including Rosa. I was just making a big deal out of nothing. Or so I thought. Until the next day, when I texted Rosa in the morning to let her know I would be on my way to get her soon so we could go to school together. She didn't text me back, so I called her. Still, no answer. The girl's attendance was horrid, so I decided she probably overslept as she does so well. I didn't bother stopping by her house to pick her up, 
and after school when she still hadn't texted me. I figured maybe she was still a bit mad over my attempt to get her to put the necklace back yesterday. I texted her again, telling her to get over it and call me when she could. But by the time I went to sleep that night, there was still no answer. And the next day, I was woken up to my mom shaking me rapidly. Still half asleep, I lightly pushed her off of me and asked what the hell she was doing. Where is Rosa? She asked me frantically. I sat up in my bed, rubbing my eyes. At her house? I asked, yawning. What time was it? Her mother just called me. She said you all went shopping and then she never came home. She told her mom she was coming to stay the night over here. But we both know that she didn't. So where did she go? Did she meet up with a boy? You have to be honest with me, honey. She could be in danger. My mom was talking a million miles a minute, and I think I was already developing a headache. But nonetheless, I tried to process her words. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rosa never came home? I questioned, finally starting to wake up a bit. My mom only shook her head. Mom, I dropped her off at her own front door. She didn't tell me she had any plans at all. She hasn't been texting me back, but I just thought she was mad at me. I explained in a groggy voice, trying to wrap my brain around what was going on. My mom's eyes widened. You really don't know where she is, do you? My mom asked in a voice barely above a whisper. I could tell she was undergoing second-hand fear, thinking about if it was me that just up and disappeared instead of Rosa. I, I have to go call her mother back. You're, you're not going to school today. Lay back down. She told me in a shaky voice, before rapidly exiting the room to leave me there with my own thoughts and suspicions. Rosa would never just disappear. The girl depended on her family for everything. She needed them to survive. She didn't have too many friends besides me, and she hadn't had a boyfriend in several months. I couldn't think of any place the girl could have gone. For half a second, my mind flashed to the worst possible scenario. The moment where Rosa showed me her stolen treasure replayed in my mind in slow motion. That stupid girl. Why couldn't she have just left it there? Why'd she have to get cocky? I tried to take deep breaths and convince myself I was being paranoid, reading too much into it, and scaring myself when in reality Rosa was probably just in desperate need of more attention and hiding out at the mall or something. Yeah, that had to be it. But, despite my logical side, trying to argue with my pessimistic side, my eyes stared at the folklore book lying on my desk across from my bed. Without a second thought, I stood up and walked over to the book, opening the front cover. To my surprise, a folded-up piece of paper fell out of the book and hit the floor. That's weird. I didn't see any paper when reading through the book last night. I slowly bent down to pick up the piece of paper. My nimble fingers worked to unfold it as every plausible possibility flashed through my mind. Maybe it's from Rosa. 
maybe she really did run away. And this is her note telling me all about where to find her. But in the back of my mind, I knew Rosa would have never written me a note. She would have sent a simple text and been on her way. Upon unfolding the piece of paper, my jaw practically hit the floor. And as bad as it may sound, the first thought that came to my mind was, Thank God I'm not crazy. I knew something was up with the Donahues. Girl, you never gave me your name. Smart of you. You also didn't steal from me. Smart again. I like your attitude. What a shame you came with such a horrid girl. Grandmother made me take care of her. We don't tolerate thieves or liars here. I trust that you will keep your mouth shut. Partially because nobody would believe you, and partially because you're drawn to us in a way that you can't explain. Many humans are, if they are able to detect our fey blood. I don't know how you were able to, but bravo. Feel free to visit whenever you'd like. Treat the book well. Felicity. I must have read that note at least a hundred times. Every time I read it, I felt a different emotion pass through me. By the time I'd read over her name, any emotion would be gone except for the sting of curiosity about the whole situation. I had countless questions for Felicity, and as wrong as Rosa was for stealing, my heart feared what they did to her. I hoped that she was not suffering and would someday be able to return home. But I knew I could do nothing to help her. It was out of my control now. Eventually, I folded the note back up and placed it back into the book I had purchased. I put the book into a drawer I had on my desk, where many of my prized possessions lived. If my mother or anyone else found that note, I'd have no choice but to reveal all the events of yesterday to them. And they'd probably lock me up in a loony bin. Now, I'm sitting on my bed, feeling incredibly conflicted. As I write this post, I can only hope Felicity or her grandmother will never see it. If they do, my greatest apologies. But what would you have done? I don't know what to do about Rosa. She is or, I suppose, was, my best friend. She's not the greatest person in the world, but she was learning her lesson slowly but surely. However, I also can't control the way I'm drawn to the Donahues. Something deep inside me encourages me to go to them and beg to learn everything about them. I also know how ridiculously stupid that would be. Playing with Faye is a dangerous game that one cannot afford to lose. And clearly, Rosa learned that the hard way.
For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at creepypod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.